Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, 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 it's me, the Chief D-O-double-G-Y-D-O-double-G, joined by you. It's the Chief, how do I start the show again? And (laughs) me, S-Jubs, I will remind you, Chief. Hey, buddy, you know, this has been the longest gap we've had between recording sessions since I started on this show. It's been over a week, and you know what? I miss you. Oh man, that's nice to hear. That's nice to hear. Yeah, no, for yeah, real, dude. I, I, I've, I've lost all the structure in my life. Come back, chief. It's a weekly schedule. Record on a Tuesday, publish on a Thursday. But due to the chief dog having some R and R down by the beach, we had to record on a preceding Friday to get to get the show out. So, like you say, it's been um, yeah, a long time, long time missing your the dulcet tones of the S jobs. <laughs> How have you been, my friend? Infinitely less interesting than your news, I'm sh- I'm sure. But uh, the basic catch up is, and this is something that I think uh, you and I don't see eye to, eye to eye on. But what I do to unwind between working on various bits of content is watch Star Trek: The Next Generation. I take it you were never a Trekkie, Chief. Never a Trekkie. However. I'm not a disparager of the Trek. I don't necessarily dislike it, but just never got into it. I have seen a handful of Next Generation episodes. How did you you avoid uh, it? It kind of reminds me of this great sketch in uh, an episode of Extras uh, where Ricky Gervais' character is trying to shop a script to uh, Patrick Stewart. (laughs) And Patrick Stewart just proceeds to talk to him like... Like, Ricky knows everything there is to know about Star Trek. Because, of course, right. why wouldn't, uh, you know, 40-something male <laughs> yeah. of his demographic <laughs> not watch Star Trek? And he's like, what? Yeah. Your your girlfriend doesn't let you have it on? No, I just, I just don't <laughs> watch Star Trek. And he's just incredulous. So, just like Patrick Stewart, I'm incredulous that you were able to avoid it, Chief. Now, now, tell me, do you have a... Is there a pattern? Do you have to follow episodes in order? Or do you just think, oh, I'm in the mood for that one there, and then pluck it out? I can never say that I've seen every single episode. So the only way to be <laughs> certain is to go very methodically through every single show. And right, okay. there are some hidden gems, like episodes that don't make it on people's top 10s or top 20s that I've had such great chuckles about. What's so nice about it is it's an ensemble cast that is clearly having the time of their lives in some of these episodes. Yeah. And I think this speaks to like what maybe part of my entertainment makeup uh, differs to, to yours. And that's why I, I could endure a film like Passengers, whereas you thought it was an absolute crock of shit, is because yeah. I'm used to these more sedate, low-budget affairs where it's very character-driven and... And you kind of cling to those moments. It doesn't I think, need to be pulse-pounding stuff minute I think minute. one of the barriers to entry, and it's probably not a barrier, barrier to entry at all, but in my mind it might be, in that the completest in me would probably want to consume everything Star Trek. If I got into it, I'd need to do everything. And I just see that, you know, that's X amount of episodes down the line that would, you know, 
a man has only so many hours in the day, right, Chief? And you've got plenty taking up your time. But enough about me, man. (laughs) You took a trip to the coast. Took a trip to the coast. Uh, Yes, we went down to Bournemouth, uh, found some deserted beaches. We were never going to go down and go to the main Bournemouth beach, I don't think, because of, you know, still trying to social distance and be safe and all that kind of thing. So we went, uh, took the chain link ferry across to Studland Beach, which was very quiet. That was nice. There was quite a cool thing that happened, actually. Uh, I, I took Evelyn off to the toilets for uh, she needed to go. When we came back over the sand dune, the missus wasn't with our stuff. And I was like, where's she gone? And there was a big crowd of people down on the beachfront, you know, about sort of 20, 30 people. I was like, oh, what's this? What's, something's happened. Something's washed up on shore. And uh, as I got closer, no, it was actually a ice cream speedboat. So no. the speedboat, yeah, yeah, the speedboat, or a little kind of, you know, a little like a what's the uh, the Joe the night night attack craft or whatever it is, oh, yeah. almost like yeah. a you know like a motorized rubber dinghy, had come up onto shore and it had these two big flags waving behind it like a Cornetto and a Cadbury's flag, uh, <laughs> waving behind it, and uh, yeah, you could uh, wade in up to your knees, uh, hand over your cash money, and uh, get some ice creams. So that's what the missus was doing. She was getting us all ice creams from the ice cream speedboat. Brilliant. Amazing. <laughs> Jeez, Chief. Well, you've just reminded me I did a getaway as well. And at the uh, at the poolside bar, they had the kind of the stools in the water that you'd kind of sidle up to or swim up to. And yeah, yeah, yeah order yeah. a drink. Love it. Love it. Fantastic. Yeah, then took a day down to a place called Hengisbury Head, which is right kind of... Um, again, beach, but it's got cliffs to climb up and wander around. Uh, really nice, and um, met up with the old uh, the bit the old Ben from the Out Timers. Amazing. And him, him and his family came down. Him and his wife Emma and his two kids Phoenix or three kids Phoenix, Indian <laughs> Scout, miss, missing out one there. Came down and we built a massive sand castle. And I told Ben bring some figures. So Phoenix had brought some Joes down with him. Set up the Joes. Uh, in this sand castle, and then proceeded to watch the tide come in and who would survive. Now, I did post some pics up on the Outer Timers Discord server, but I'll post these up onto the Talking Joe social medias as well. And uh, we can see what happened to some of the Joes in the sand castles. Now, I have to note that one of the figures that was selected was Target. And after your and my chat about the <laughs> the underused potential of that uh, trooper. <laughs> I thought that you had brought it, but no, there must be something in the waters, buddy, because you say Phoenix is the one who brought that figure. Fantastic. Yeah, man. he likes playing with the Joes, but he's got no, hasn't watched the cartoons or read the comics, so he's got no real knowledge about who the quotes good guys and bad guys are so in this setup we had you know Mindbender next to Chebang and um, Target was there with um, next to I don't know who the other guy was there was a guy I think it was a Joe black hair Hmm. Um, would you believe that's sci-fi version too okay he he decided in his his second version he decided to ditch the neon (laughs) in the 90s no less and uh, use a more subdued Dark grey and black uniform. Ah, there yeah. you go, yeah. It's a good so, look. goodies and baddies side by side, but I'll post those images up and um, yeah, yeah, it was good. Good fun, really good fun. So, nice little break away and then back to the, you know, mundane reality now. But that mundane <laughs> reality does involve some snackage. Oh, yeah. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy, washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy, chewy sweets, cookies, built around jerky, snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers, attackers, bad mother truckers and we're eating all the crackers, munchers, crunchers, 
knockout snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. The snack police are in the his house. Chief, you catch me after having the most insane dinner. It was like finger foods, but the problem with finger foods is you can't keep track of how much you've put away. <laughs> I am so stuffed. So stuffed. But uh, I have this... Uh, you see, talking Joe gets you to be quite adventurous with your snacking because <laughs> I have gotten something gluten-free made from legumes off the eaten path. <laughs> I see what nice. you did there. Snacks for the curious. Pea and pinto bean sticks? What the hell's a pinto bean? Pinto bean, yeah. Pinto bean is... Um, well, I say, yeah, pinto... But I don't know. No, I don't... <laughs> I've had pinto beans it's before. It's a legume. It's, it's going in the a, mouth. Yeah, it's just a bean. It's a roasted garlic and herb flavor. They are like tubes. Yep. And multicolored. There's pink ones and there are slightly greenish ones. I've got an orangish one. I'm pretty sure I've seen these on the shelves of Tesco or Sainsbury's last week. Hmm, same brand. Off the eat, off the eaten path. <laughs> uh, pretty sure, yeah. yeah. Hmm, palatable. Certainly not... No, wait. They get 3.5 stars on the health star rating system, so okay. they're not exactly healthy, but they're not going to kill you, I guess. Well, they're all right. I give them one thumb up. Right. Not my go-to okay. snack. No, no. Right. No Tim Tam. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a raging de- debate there. Exactly. But I'll, I'll just say, I mean, my, my, my final word on the subject is, if a Twix can be a candy bar so can a tim tam you might as well call twix a biscuit that's all i have to say about that there you go he's done and he's out um chief dog has a a hangover not a hangover of the head but a hangover from the outer timers segment that lasted one episode because the outer timers unfortunately shut up shop although you know chats with ben it may return at some point um so there was a segment after Cola Chaos, which was Sour Sensations. It lasted one episode, but Chief had stockpiled about 20 different sour sweets in preparation. And so I have here a Toxic Waste Hazardously Sour Candy. So this comes in a, in a faux oil drum. How much did it cost? It looks like premium candy, which, let's be honest, is mainly diverted towards expensive looking packages. Like the kind of stuff that you'd buy at a dedicated candy store. That looks like this product. You're quite correct. You these are somewhat hard to find. In you will get these in like an American candy store in the UK. However, I got I pulled this off the shelves of Tesco of Sainsbury's where they have a kind of almost like a not the world food aisle which has got all, you know, your Jamaican, your Polish and all that kind of stuff. This actually is kind of a small dedicated US candy. So it's got Reese's pieces and like American potato chips, and then it at has import a selection. prices or at uh, more no, reasonable prices. Not one one pound forty nine. So it huh. was just, just kind of standard. So anyway, let's pull these out. They're individually wrapped. Um, I'm going to let you choose the flavour for me. Mm. I've got a watermelon, a black cherry, uh, apple, blue raspberry. I think that's the four flavours. <laughs> oh, and a, and a lemon. Damn it, son! I honestly thought one of them would be like. Toxic waste flavor and methane gas flavor and uh, right. nuclear fallout flavor, but uh, just bog standard. Let's see how close an apple tastes to apples. Apple, yeah. Okay, let's give it a go. Which one was the apple one? A uh, blue raspberry as well. Sorry, 
uh, did I say that? I don't know. Apple. Did I find that? Yeah, Apple. That's the green, the green packet. Let's give it a go. I've had these before. Slight cheat, but not for a while. Oh, stuck to the pack. So it's a hard boiled candy. Ah, oh, it's not coming out of the pack. So like there a cough drop, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Cough. Uh, right. Oh man. Yeah. Winky. Sour. <laughs> a bit winky. Yep. <laughs> Yep, okay. And now, after some hard sucking, that mm. outer sourness dissipating, now I'm getting a lovely, lovely summer green apple huh. notes on my tongue. So, mm, this has turned into a nice sweet. So, yeah, um, two thumbs up from the chief. Wow, okay. Did not expect that. And if you don't like sours, tough luck, because there's probably more coming in the coming weeks. <laughs> Um, right, let's talk comic. It's comic talk, it's comic talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box. Talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. Okay, so this week we are covering Real American Hero issues 205 and 206. Let's take a look at the covers. Hmm. What do you think here? So this is an, kind of an action-packed scene. We've seen we've seen a few of these recently, like all the guys piled onto the Mean Dog. There was another one as well. What was the 201? I'm just flicking back in my custom bind. Oh, they were all on the Rolling Thunder. And so we've got a, kind of another one here, ensemble cast, but on the interior of the Tomahawk. Yes. And we're left to use our process of elimination as to who they are operating on. We can only see the the patient's feet. There's definitely high drama. The bullets bouncing off the canopy. Yeah, the Joes are definitely trying to patch up someone. Uh, yeah, kind of got to be a Del Burkhardt if you have been following. Like she's the only member of that mission that isn't accounted for in the image. Yes. Yep. One other thing, they seem to have opted for the interior of a Blackhawk instead of the Tomahawk. Always, okay. always curious as to these these. Because it's happened several times, and it's mainly been with Trimpey's work, where he's favoured a real-world helicopter, interior or exterior, instead of using the actual featured vehicle inside, you know, inside the story. Um, but here, this is yeah. consistent between Harmer's sketch and Gallant's finish. So I guess Gallant was just being uh, as adherent as possible to what what Larry had drawn. That's it. Mm. Yep. Yep. And the, the the other cover is the the Larry pencils of this same scene. Yep. Looks pretty accurate to, to what um, Gallant's done. Uh, and then 206, we've got um, Pale Peony and Jinx fighting some... Silver Samurai. Humongous <laughs> Samurai. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. a Wolverine villain? I, I'm not too familiar with it Silver Samurai, beyond, yeah. I suppose, the action figure from the 90s and uh, its appearance in Wolverine, The Wolverine. Do you remember that film? Right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind that, I don't think, when I saw it at the time. But that's, I mean... Th- the cartoon represent or the comic book representation of that character looks a damn sight like this the character on this cover. Yep. Yeah. Good. You know, it's this a, a fairly action packed scene with the three characters. It's not blowing me away, but you know, serviceable. I'm not familiar with uh, martial arts weapons and their uses, but I believe the psi is used to disarm. Uh, so it's it's nice to see. I think it's being used accurately there. To kind of hook right. the blade. To kind of trap tra- trap and twist. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Very, Very cool. Nice. Uh, Jinx is and not using her, also... her classic 
um, staff. She uses it in the issue. Uh, seems to be using a, a more ornate blade and spear kind of staff. Yes. Mm, nice. Yeah, yeah. And then um, there's another cover. There's a retailer exclusive cover here, which has, I'm struggling to see, it's got the Sky Striker and... Duke. It's too small. Has someone ejected out of it or what's Duke doing? I think Duke's got the jetpack. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I want that cover, Chief. Damn. It has absolutely yeah, nothing to do with the issue, obviously, but no. <laughs> the Sky Striker looks amazing. And the background looks like, I don't know, like some kind of Cobra launch base. Duke's laying fire on an incoming Rattler. This is the issue that I wanted to read. <laughs> I'll make no bones about it. <laughs> okay, let's dig into the issues. And straight away, oh no, before we do that, we need a recap. Uh, how remissive of me. So, last time on A Real American Hero. Torpedo spearheads a hostage rescue operation in Oliastan, leading Alpine, Muskrat and Long Range to rescue Dr. Adele Burkhart. But the village full of insurgents quickly pursues, injuring Burkhart before Torpedo and Long Range manage to sneak up on them and put a dent in their ranks. The G.I. Joe team makes its way to the extraction point, but even with a weakened enemy, their chances of survival are looking slim. Meanwhile, the web of intrigue surrounding Cobra Commander's hidden Crimson Guardsmen continues to grow. Chief, yeah. I didn't really make any kind of judgment call on Long Range being recast as a team sniper. But the more I look at him on panel, the more I'm like, no, <laughs> he's, he's an yeah. artillery man. I mean, it's really been yeah. massaged to fit. And he's very prominent as the sniper, but it's not something I've ever associated with him. So why not just send Lowlight on this mission? Is that because he was on literally the previous mission? They don't want to overkill with snipers and stuff? Or? I guess it's that notion that Larry wants to expand his focus. Because this is a team book and we are catering to fans of a toy line. And everyone had their favorite figure. You know, like you will find people who have love for... Huh, you don't know who this is, but hopefully our listeners do. The Ice Cream Soldier, for instance. You know, you will have right, pundits right. of every minuscule character that the G.I. Joe mythology ever yeah. evolved. So yeah. there must ooh, be... Oh, 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 I forgot. I went, to see, um, <laughs> I went to see The Empire Strikes Back twice and Batman 1989. Of course you did. Wow, Chief. Um, oh. So we're, we're, I'm, slipping, I'm slipping a catch up in here. So <laughs> apologies <laughs> for those who are just about to get deep into Joe comic chat, but um, tough because I'm talking about this. So when we got down to Bournemouth, the kid was going to bed at like 7 p.m. in the hotel room. Me and the missus and the kid are all in the hotel room. You know, what do you do? The lights are off. So I've got two options. I can either talk to the missus. I can either put the tablet on and read some comics. That's an option. Or number three, I can see the Odeon Cinema, which is opposite my hotel. And all the cinemas in London still are not open. But in Bournemouth, that bad boy is open for business. And because Ben had told me he'd been to see The Empire Strikes Back twice. And it was still on when I got there, 40th anniversary, so I thought, 7 o'clock showing, let's get down there. Five pounds, reduced ticket price. And yeah, we went to see that. On the first night, uh, there were about five people in the cinema. Oh my goodness. Uh, plus me. Incredible. So then, the second night I was there, I was like, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go and see it again. So I went to see it again. There was about eight people that time. And then the third night I was there, they had a one-off only showing of Tim Burton's 1989 Batman. Huh. So I went to, went to see that as well, yeah. Timing yeah. is everything. Incredible. And I think Jack Nicholson's performance in that, I will not say is the greatest acting performance ever, 
but I b- think I think it is my favourite acting performance ever. <laughs> Where does he get such wonderful toys? <laughs> so quotable. It's oh, just infinitely, unreal. Infinitely. <laughs> Never rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't hit a guy with glasses. <laughs> now your turn. Come on, Chief. Um, the old Dukaroo with me in one corner and Bats in the other. Oh, he's, well, I think I butchered that slightly. He's not happy. He used. <laughs> he's been using, using Brand, Brand X. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob, you are my number one, and I. And that's it, and it just cuts off. He just doesn't finish the sentence. I, I thought it. he says, no, this is a malpropism. This is a, what they call an egg corn, because he says, Bob, you're my number one guy. He just says guy really strangely. That's what it is. Oh, geez. does he? Gotta be, gotta be. Ah. Okay. This town needs an enema. <laughs> <laughs> Can somebody tell me what kind of a world we live in where a man dressed up as a bat gets all of my press? Let's broaden our minds. Lawrence? <laughs> uh, it's, oh, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. I am the world's first fully functional homicidal artist. I make art until someone dies. <laughs> oh, it's, I want to watch it again right now. Shit, well. You gave me that homework because you quoted it from the previous episode. And I, lo and behold, I did it. I went to see that movie and I did it in the cinema, goddammit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Win. Yeah. You're a vicious bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> little hot under the collar. <laughs> oh. All right, all right. This is great radio. Anyway, We're continuing now. <laughs> uh. um, listen, uh, straight off issue issue two hundred five, page one, panel one. We got ourselves a Larry Harmerism. Oh, is it police? Up? And it's a vision. No, no, it's, it's a visual one. Mm-hmm. It's a visual one because uh, Alpine is carrying Doctor Adele Burkhart on his back. Now we've seen Larry write this before with. Roadblock carrying Gung Ho on his back in an early issue. I suppose Larry didn't write the, the movie, but we've seen obviously Roadblock carrying a snake like Cobra Commander on oh, his back Roadblock's as well. carrying on his back. Is, didn't he carry uh, Gung Ho in 24? Was it the. 24, yeah. The, the, the issue penciled yep. by. Oh, I'm blanking on the Russ name. Heath. Russ Heath. What a legend. Yes. Oof. Yes. And I think there's another example that I've slipped my mind of someone else carrying someone piggyback uh, style. But, Roadblock um, carries go. Gorky. Um, Roadblock's yep, blind go, Gorky. and Gorky's got shrapnel Correct. in his legs. Yeah. There you go, Larry Harmerism. Oh, no, Misha. Yeah. Misha. Little Misha. Misha. Mm, that's it. Yes. That's it. Yes, that's it. Yep. There you go. Very good. Very good. Nice. I found these first few pages in this issue quite messy. Okay. I'll be honest. There's the Joes talking about tactics and flanking. There's the Oliastanians insurgents, and they're talking similar kind of tactics, but it just felt a little bit convoluted and not to the point and the first few pages were not confusing me but just like I say felt messy it's not helped by the fact that there are two groups of Joes and there are two groups of Olistanis yeah like and it's difficult to tell them apart who's behind who in this procession of combatants it seems like you know the Joes are in front then there's a group of Olistanis chasing them then behind that is low light? Is sorry, low light. There we go. Is long range and tunnel rat? No, sorry, long range. Fuck, long range and torpedo. That's how easy it is to confuse these two. They're so analogous to other Joes. And then behind them is the main man, Ibrahim and his dudes. Yes. Mm. And as I was reading these two issues, 
it definitely felt like, or the the one, especially this one issue here, it felt like he was almost a CBX or a Blue Ninja because this dude is surviving everything. So first of all, they mentioned that he's running non-stop and everyone else is kind of gassed out and ready to fall, but he he's just got no off button. And then when a drone explodes with all kinds of, of ordnance, it's I'm trying <laughs> to find the page where they say what's in it. Here it is, um, Scarlet's bring the drone down to the deck and self-destruct right in the middle of them. Uh, that might thin the herd enough to make a difference. And Clutch says, the Sierra Delta package is a cocktail of C4, Thermite and Willy Pete. Whatever it doesn't atomize, it burns. <laughs> and so that sounds pretty horrific to begin with. And then he is the only man left standing. So I thought, for a split second, I thought, is this guy not actually human for real as part of the storyline? But um, obviously he is. But Well, look, know. I mean, the CBX is needed to use like three hours to catch up one, <laughs> yeah, one kilometer. kilometer. <laughs> These guys are far more effective at marching, clearly. Yes. But uh, why is Clutch the drone pilot? That That mm. is on my pad. As always, I have a few lines of thing. And one says, is Clutch the best drone controller? Question mark. Yeah, it's not like a video game. This is a, a sophisticated, legit aircraft. You need actual pilots to fly it. And of course, I'm sure fighter jockeys would think of piloting a drone as a demotion but it requires no less skill uh in fact it yeah, probably yeah. requires more i mean like you can't just look out of the cockpit you're confined no, to exactly. what the drone little camera sees yeah. again i think something you touched on you know larry just wanting to play with all the toys in the sandbox i guess <laughs> you know if he likes clutch he's used clutch sporadically through the whole of the hundred and you know what in a 200 plus issues so you know bring him back and uh, you know get him controlling drones why not cross specialized just like muskrat is cross specialized in linguistics he sp- uh, yes, speaks yeah. the, the language of the land man and um i looked up muskrat's file card it turns out his secondary specialty is social services now i've always had a long-running theory and it's it's not my theory alone but it's certainly something that i've a drum that i've been banging that anytime a joe has a really mundane secondary military specialty it means that their actual secondary military specialty is classified or right, or okay. a kind of a placeholder so larry can pull it out at a moment like this and say well it always was <laughs> social services very broad he actually speaks seven yeah. languages yeah, yeah okay yeah why not yeah, yeah i mean you know it's it's interesting stuff and it does promote that kind of thinking outside the box um another thing thinking outside the box Alpine early on has given Adele Burkhart a shooter and basically said, if things get tough, kill yourself. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah or no? Yeah. Yes or no? That's how I read that as well. It's hardcore, man. It's like, I don't expect you to get into this fight, but uh, I also want to give you the option to get out of it. Heavy yeah. we, we don't want no... Ho- basically, he's saying, we don't want any more hostages. So if it comes to the crunch, pull the trigger. Cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and again, this issue is filled with kind of that, it's very violent. There's a bit where the Joes uh, kind of got the high ground over this outcropping and it's just like ducks in a barrel, these insurgents, and you just see them opening up and killing them. And a lot of them are kids. They mention that these guys are just kids, like I say, open field of fire and just mowing them down. Yeah, well, the Joes are very accurate at night to mow down the enemy and still avoid all the kids. But, uh, of course, when you're talking about drone warfare, that kind of is removed from the table. <laughs> you know, was, was Clutch yeah. able to avoid spilling uh, collateral damage onto those kids as well? I, I don't know. It's a nice gesture, but, like, quickly undone. And the bad guys even take out the own, their own uh, child soldiers for, for right, laying yeah. their weapons down. So, <laughs> yeah, dark stuff all around, Chief. 
But uh, to yeah, lighten the yeah. mood, I found a pop culture analog to Dr. Adele Burkhardt. Okay. It's the legendary one and only Jessica Fletcher from Murder, She Wrote. Ah, that's why you signed into the recording as S. Jub Fletcher. <laughs> I was thinking, I was wondering that. Yeah, man, we go deep. <laughs> well, buddy, Cabot Cove, okay, the fictional town in which she lived. Uh, I'm sure the population ain't that big, but anytime you invite Jessica Fletcher around to dinner, she's going to find a dead body. <laughs> That show. <laughs> so, by the same token, any time Adele Burkhardt leaves the United States on some kind of mercy mission, she is going to get taken hostage. You know it. Right. Okay. Uh, all okay. the way up until the events of this issue, of course. I used to watch uh, Murder, She Wrote a lot. I probably watched more of that than I did Star Trek Next Generation. For me, they um, went hand in hand, man. I think it was like Saturday nights at 6 p.m. And they alternated that slot. Like some months it was nice, Star Trek, some nice. months it was Murder, She Wrote. Angela Lansbury is still alive. Oh, she's fantastic. She's amazing. She is one of the best. I'll tell you who's not doing well, and that is the Joe helicopter pilots, because both of them take a bit of a pounding. Oof. Yeah, man. City's really taking a pounding. So Wild Bill's taken one in the shoulder, and then lift tickets basically send a lifeline, wipe this blood from my eyes, because he has got a lot of, he's got a bad head wound here and is dripping into his eyes. Mate, that is the ultimate, ultimate example of hold my beer <laughs> in the pages of G.I. <laughs> Joe. It's like, medic? <laughs> I'm going to fly the plane, just wipe the damn blood out of my eyes. Jeepers. I've got a technical observation to make that uh, I expected Larry being, you know, a stickler for detail on guns to have picked up in his scripting. But uh, there's there's an Oistani who picks up the Dragunov and gets shot down by long range because he was going for the selector the fire selector switch and switching it to full auto. Yep. So long range assumed okay. that he meant he wanted to hose down the Joes. So he preemptively shoots him in the head. Now the dragon of SVD and all its variants don't have a fire selector switch. You okay. cannot put it into full auto. It is a semi-automatic rifle. So that's, that's the problem. But here comes the no prize. So, what the Dragonoff does have, instead of a fire selector lever, is a dust cover that you would then open right. to open up the um, the ejection port for the case, you know, the bullet, the bullet case. Uh, and so, maybe this guy was just safing the weapon, because what that dust cover does when it's up, the weapon is then safe and can't fire. So, right. it is a tragic case. Very good. It's a tragic case of long range, like, jumping to a conclusion without actually thinking it through. Because he should know that there's no automatic selector on a Dragunov. Uh, and he should have known ah. that the, the enemy was just safing the weapon before putting it down. But uh, he took that preemptive action and that, that poor sucker's yeah. uh, plan a hop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it. Six feet under, baby. Pushing up daisies. Yeah. So let's get to the meat of this issue. And then we move on to the next one. As we find out here, confirmed whose feet they were on that cover. And... Alpine is popped up with the his, the radio kit's been destroyed. Uh, Ibrahim's destroyed that. And so to signal the Tomahawk, Alpine's had to get up, take his shirt off and wave it around in the air to signal Wild Bill and lift ticket. And when he's done that, he's presented himself full frontal or full, full backal, full, full back uh, to Ibrahim who takes a shot. But Burkhart jumps in the way and uh, takes one for the team, effectively. Hey, man, it reminds me of a time when... Uh... That's uh, that Kalingaland dude, who I'm blanking on the name now as well, like took a bullet for Burkhart's 
Uh, you know, yeah. Black Major was about to gun Adele down. That's it. It's her turn. Insult to injury, she takes another one where, you know, Muskrat's saying leave her and Alpine, the chopper's here and he's like, I ain't, we don't leave one of our own. He's basically saying, you know, she's one of us and picks her up and as they're running back to the chopper, Ibrahim um, is still not finished, takes another shot and gets her again in the back. So if she wasn't dead the first time round, she definitely is now. Well, good thing too. I mean, not good thing about her death, but I mean, good thing Alpine picked her up. He, she acted as a human shield. I mean... Yeah, meat shield right there. Damn, damn, damn. And uh, it gave away Ibrahim's position. I did not expect that. That is hard as hell. Yeah, that's, it's tough. And, you know, Alpine shedding a tear in the chopper. Now, at this point, we're kind of victims of Larry's fly-by-the-city-of-pants writing style. Had he known, I think, that he was going to kill off Adele, I think Alpine is the wrong choice of character. I think there's a, a more fitting character that Alpine is kind of fit, like being pushed into the mold of. For this moment, yeah. because Alpine, before the events of this mission, he had never met Adele Burkhardt, and they do have one or two touching scenes, but a character that has a lot more running history with this character and her, her various kind of opposing views on the military. Uh, can you yeah. think of a name? Roadblock, I would have said. I, I agree, Roadblock, definitely. No? But if you go one step further, it's Stalker. Probably Stalker, He yeah, was around yeah. in Operation Lady Doomsday. He was in around again in Walk Through the Jungle. And most recently, he was actually aboard the Kalingaland tanker. Yeah, of course he was, yeah. 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 So in, at every one of these rescues, Stalker's been there, like pulling her butt out of the fire. And so for him to be there at the moment where she shuffles off the mortal coil, I don't know. I think they missed a beat there, unfortunately. And while oh. it's very touching to see Alpine shed a tear, I think it would have just that much more impact if it was Stalker. I think you're right. Yeah. How cool is the tomahawk from underneath, though? Yeah, it looks wicked, doesn't it? I've never seen that angle in artwork, and I have a tomahawk here with me at long last. Do you? Yeah, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> it looks exactly, exactly like that. The proportions are perfect, even down to the, the toy winch spinner. Like, the, the, the thing that you spin to, to oh, yeah. spool yep. out the yep. winch is kind of made for our big fingers. I mean, there's no reason for it to have that pattern practically for the actual vehicle but uh it's reproduced so lovingly in that art yeah very cool mm. very cool and as quick as that that whole scene and that whole storyline is over larry kind of drops us straight into the next one with a two-page finish and I, I like these pages they're a good bit of comedy because there's some kind of alumni gathering of the the old class welcome back class uh, 82 to 94 and they're all just talking to each other in um fred or in one case tyler numbers mm. uh, so uh <laughs> and um i think the guy on the next page who's introducing cobra commander is maybe malcolm is that a malcolm series cg on his badge <laughs> really it's a little bit on the nose yeah um <laughs> <sighs> yes yes but i was thinking here two things number one I don't think Cobra Commander would have addressed all these people not in his garb, just in his in his mufti stuff. I don't think that would have happened. He would have been in either ceremonial stuff or just the hood or the battle armor. He wouldn't have just been wheeled out by Mindbender. Um, <laughs> it's comedy. You're absolutely right. It's comedy, yeah. Mindbender's yeah. in his and scrubs. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the other thing is straight from the dentist chair. And the other, the other thing is... It's a bit of an oxymoron here. He's saying uh, nobody is going to know about all the details of the master plan until it's been completely rolled out. 
because basically he's saying, what does he say, nobody knows any more than their own part and nobody is divulging what they are doing to anybody else. But surely now that everyone in this room knows that, they're going to chat to their neighbour and say, what are you working on? Oh, I'm working on this. What are you working on? So by kind of announcing to everyone that they only know part of the deal, I don't know, it, it kind of stymies it, but you know, maybe more comedy on show there. Chief, I read these two pages as clear indication that either Cobra Commander is very much off his meds, or, you know, thanks to his recently broken legs, he is so medicated. Too many meds. He is <laughs> off the map, dude. He's in another world. <laughs> Him and his beret. Yeah. I mean, it's just, like, ridiculous. This whole it's gold. I love ridiculous. it. I love it. Well, you love it. You know, are different kind of comic book readers that say that much. But <laughs> how, do you, how do you figure that there's a Springfield High School in Rancho Corbra? Did they move in there and immediately rename the school? Oh, it makes absolutely no sense at all. It's absolute off-the-wall, batshit crazy. Class of 82 to 94 alumni being celebrated in the home of the Rancho Cobra fighting Cobras. And yeah, and I should know this. They only moved in there like a month ago. Yeah, and I should know this, yeah. But just confirm for me, 82 to 94 was the original Marvel run, I guess. Yes, correct. And issue one was 82, and the last issue, 155, was 1984, I think. Very good. And the years obviously align with the toy line's lifespan as well. The original toy line, yeah. We do need to, I'm thinking, you know, for Yo Joe's point of view, and I went back and looked, and I think we can safely say issues 202, 3, 4, and 5 is a, is a, a fairly f- much a four-issue arc. It's where the Oliostan stuff begins in issue 202 and sees its conclusion in 205. So how do you feel about Yo Joe in those four issues as one? Oh, uh, sure, Chief. I, I, I don't know if I'm enthusiastic enough to give them a high grade but yeah That's i guess fine. You, a do, six. you do what you need to do uh, six six i don't know i also want to kind of keep things relative and and, and really like pump the, the the things that that got me excited this kind of didn't really no what am i saying it's a five shit i did not like okay. the whole subplot with uh with Cobra Kamana getting his ass handed to him by absolutely everyone. With Zorana and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Zorana beating just came a little bit out of left field for, for no real purpose. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, that, I'm just flicking back. That cover of Zorana mashing Mindbender with a massive jaw is amazing, but that, <laughs> that's not coming into the equation for the rating. So I think I'm coming in with a six. Six for the Chief. Uh, let's move on. We've got another issue to cover. Yes, we do. Okay, so 206, start of a new, you know, subplot and storyline. And yeah, where, where should we begin with this one? What notes have I got written down here? Scarlet just can't take Snake Eyes anywhere. Do you remember Bystander, <laughs> which was the additional story in, I think, yearbook three? That was a Tony Salmon's art where they go to a gas station. Yeah. Is that right? I recently listened to yeah. the, the review of it in a, a, an episode of Talking Joe, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a great podcast. You should give it a listen sometime. <laughs> <laughs> you might hear some dips in mic quality. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm talking about recent uh, events. but uh, Apologies on episode 82, the last one. So something uh, went wrong, technical glitch, and then the chief had to switch over to a different source of audio. And it was my fault, hands in the air, nothing to do with S-Jobs or his editing. Uh, I had the wrong 
selection made for my audio. I was using the laptop audio instead of my microphone. I thought I was on microphone whilst recording. Obviously, while we're recording, we don't notice that. Then the session ended. I had to zip away on holiday, so there was no chance to re-record that. And uh, unfortunately, it came out as it did. S-Jubs did the best he could, but hands in the air, Chief Dog apologises for that. But anyway, moving on. Chief, it's a mistake that I've made as well. But once you make it, you never make it again. So Well, let's hope so. Yeah, there you go. Chief, were they up against a deadline or something in this issue? Because to have two repeated pages with only cosmetic differences, that's, I love the effect. It's, it's so unusual. But when you think about it a little bit more, you're like, hmm, they're getting away with, (laughs) with very limited art chores. They get two, basically two pages for free. Yeah, a quick, quick shout out. Both these issues we're covering, written by Larry Harmer, pencils by S.L. Gallant, inks by Brian Shearer, and colours by Jay Brown. Um, yeah, so this is, we're referring to the scene at the beginning where they're stopping off for supplies for a party. Uh, Scarlet, uh, they've all been tasked with getting different things. Snake Eyes is popping in to get, I forget what he's getting. Um, you're going to get the burger and hot dog buns, ketchup, mustard, relish, pickles, potato salad, coleslaw, and corn. He's got 10 minutes to do it. And uh, when he pops in, Unfortunately, it coincides with a, a group of youths, maybe youths or a bit older, going to rob the place. And then the scene ends up with them speeding away. Oh, what happened there? As all the police in that turn up. But all we see yeah. during the action is an exterior sort of high angle on the store. Scarlet in the vamp pulls up, drops Snake Eyes off, and the camera stays fixed in that point. The robbers drive up in their jalopy. Uh, go inside we see some gunfire we see some an elderly couple stagger off uh, down the street we see windows breaking more gunfire and throughout it all it's just six panels of repeated art followed by another page of six panels and repeated art yeah I don't know. It's like you said, it's effective and it works well, but maybe... Yeah, look, look, we've seen it before. We saw it in Bystander all those years back if we are long-time yes. G.I. Joe fans. So there's no need to see the violence. So this is this is kind of fresh and it's, it's kind of comical in a way. It's a very breezy read, but at the same time, it rewards you for noticing the little details, just like a Where's Wally. For instance, yes, yes. foreground of the shot. What street are we on? Trimpe. Trimpe Street, yeah. Yeah, sweet, nice. sweet, nice. I noticed a, a little coloring flub. Ooh. You see Ooh, in the background, the lane, the sort of lane that gives way into the street that we're on, yep. is colored like the sidewalk. And then you flip the oh, page yeah. and it's actually asphalt it's tarmac, yeah. with a yeah. you know with a sort of stop indication. Yeah, so incorrectly on. colored on that first page, I would say, then. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Okay. Good <laughs> stuff. Good spot. As always, S-Jub uh, can pick the, the peanuts out of the poo and find the little stuff. Deep reads in those weeds. <laughs> <laughs> the, the reason we're focusing on Scarlet and Snake Eyes is because they're driving past and coincidentally see some soldier staring at a house. And it turns out that it's Wade Collins' old house. And lo and behold, it's his son, Sean, who will play a bigger part in G.I. Joe mythology going forward. When was the last time we heard from old Sean? I guess it was a letter to Snake Eyes, was it? In the last issue, 155 maybe. Yes, The last sir. Marvel issue. Now, how okay. many times have we had Snake Eyes being given actual voice in this comic run? Oh, I don't know. N- you know, not many. Yeah, man. It was the issue with uh, Wingfield. Oh, really? Yeah, when he was writing the letter. Exactly. He the writes, um, yeah. yeah, sort of reports 
on Hawk and Grunt looking very unconvincing <laughs> as slackers <laughs> and timing his uh, his cutting of the fence with the, the highest levels of like nocturnal insect noise. Oh man, yeah, love amazing. it, love the details. Um, then I think there was a moment in the, I don't know, the hundreds where he says, Scarlet. Yes, with his ravaged maw, yeah. And I think you noted that why is he saying her code name? Wouldn't he say Shana? Did you say that? I don't know. Chief. Uh, probably not. No, someone else, I think. Mate, I'm well, for that. whatever. Maybe you did. Maybe we need to re-listen to some Talking Joe, baby. <laughs> yeah. um, and then It's good, apparently, yeah. It is. It is very good. Except that one bit in 82 when the mic was shut. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but then a letter from Snake Eyes. Magnificent stuff. And ever since then, I've kind of been hankering for more first-person addresses from the man. Right. Okay. It's for that reason that I'm kind of like, oh, man, Rob Liefeld, you missed an opportunity to make some history and write a story from Snake Eyes' point of view. Because right. once again, Dead Game chooses the same tired old, like, third-person omniscient. Like, oh, he's a yeah. silent killer. He's so fast. Yes. He's so badass. Like, oh, come on, man. But then again, I suppose you never expect anything groundbreaking from Mr. Liefeld. Sadly. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's that's put paid to us getting him on the show. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Hey man, look, I was the biggest fan in the nineties. Yeah. Tiny feet and pouches be damned. I was right up there, brother. I read it, I read it yesterday, Dead Game, and um it reads very much like a nineties comic, but I think that's the intent uh from, from Chad writing it. And I actually think it's some of Liefeld's best art. Okay. I think he he's kind of stripped back a little bit of the the muscularity and the obviously there's no massive amounts of excess guns because he's not necessarily dealing with characters that, that have those but <laughs> what in gi joe <laughs> with the characters with snake eyes etc obviously you know he's got the, the uzis and stuff but yeah I, I i actually thought it was okay i you know I, I definitely thought it was better than i thought it was going to be going in do they look like uzis though chief well, no. But, <laughs> no you know, exactly. Does any gun that Rob draw look like an actual gun? Um, artistic license. Uh, listen, back to this issue, 206. Do you like the way that Sean's reintroduced to the comic here? Do you like the, what they've done? It's kind of random, but it, I, I, it's not disagreeable. It's fun to see, oh my goodness, he did actually join the army. So I guess yeah. it's it's ambiguous as to what Snake Eyes' goal was with his his response to Sean in issue 155. It certainly did not glorify what Snake Eyes does for a living. I honestly left that issue thinking, no ways is Sean going to join the army. But looks like he went yeah. the other way. Career yeah. military man. Yeah, and I find it strange, though, after they've... He's thinking about going in, Scarlet gets him in under the, the pretense of there being some kind of... Um, uh, what leak is it? A leak of some some kind of... Oh, she's bullshitting her way through it, and it's glorious. Chemical and biological leak uh concerns about possible leakages so that she bullshits and gets him in and then he obviously goes down to the to the basement obviously but he goes down to the basement presses the hidden secret button that his, his dad had to reveal the crimson guardsman secret room and you know that's kind of what introduces reintroduces sean back into the fold of the joes uh, but i did find it a bit weird later on in the issue back at fort wadsworth where he's kind of explaining what he found down there etc and the other Joes there, Stalker and Scarlet, are basically just saying, do you want to join up with the team? You know, how do you fancy it coming on board? 
uh, after he's, he's listed out all his military achievements, Sean. And I was thinking, is there no actual protocol or process involved where he has to apply officially or do things like that? Is it just a case that some people can just say, yeah, come on board. Why don't you join us? Totally. Worked out for Pell Pieni. It's like, hey, oh, yeah, you're Jinx's right, friend. You get to go into the pit. I've opened all the doors, all the load all the yeah. security protocols. Go ahead, Pale. Yeah. They're all on first name basis. I vouch for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, at least okay. with Way- with Sean, you know, Stalker does say it's like a legacy admission. Look, I think they they're just toying with the idea at this point. It's like yeah. in in the back of my mind, I'm still seeing visions of like him having to join the crew that Duke is putting through the ringer, push-ups in the right. mud until uh, yeah. the, the last three men left, like that kind of thing. Even if you are a decorated officer from the armed services, you still have to go through G.I. Yeah. Joe boot camp. You know? yes, there are only yes. so many slots. I'll tell you one nice touch when they're in this house, and you find this out later, that you know Sean kind of says, these guys were Cobra, because he found, uh, down in that basement, He what did he find? He found... Yeah, he found evidence uh, that this intimated. is definitely yeah. a reactivated base or, or, or yes. Crimson Guard hideout because there's yes. smartphones and and a, a, some kind of technical device. The, the sort of yeah. MacGuffin of this issue is the thing that they're producing at Revanche in Dublin. Yes, the size of a dime. What what I found nice was, which didn't really make sense at the time, when they're in the house, the last page of them being in the house, the kid comes up and says, hey, mister, this should make you feel better and hands him a bottle of talcum powder. Now, obviously, we've had many references to Snake Eyes using talcum powder to help with his mask, riding up or to, you know, to smooth it down and, and that kind of thing to help it m- look more natural. And I was thinking, why would the kid, how would the kid know what's going on here that this is a mask? But if this is a Cobra kid, we've seen previous kids of Crimson Guardsmen be handy with weapons and military tactics. So, you know, maybe this kid is trained in uh, disguise and prosthetics and and makeup and things so the kid knew that snake eyes was wearing a mask well you've got me thinking now that this kid might have tipped his family's hand because if he is a cobra kid and they've got a dossier on snake eyes this kid's like (laughs) he's actually flexing it he's flexing his 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 knowledge catches snake eyes unawares he's like here mister use this it's like i know who you are yeah, and look at Snake Eyes' reaction. He's like, he's you know, kind of, whoa, wait a minute, what's, we what's are going to come for you and kill you in your sleep, Mister Snake Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. And did you see that uh, Scarlet is a fan of not only mobile games, but uh, what is the name of that game? It was a, it was an absolute phenomenon in this era. Uh, farm uh, and farm farmlands farm. Okay. No. No idea. Something that you, no you idea. play. Pass me by. You would play it on Facebook. But uh, the the CG, he's like, that sensor app looks a lot like that farm game. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Do you not know it? Yeah. No, something's ringing a bell, maybe. Farm, but... farm, Farmville. I'm sure it was called Farmville. No, no idea. Chief. I hope I hope there was. I hope there was. So you don't look like a Get fool. Get with it, buddy. Get with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was still playing Mega Drive, probably. Well, um, no, the kid's got an Xbox controller. Nice. Right. There's a bit here, when it cuts from that scene, it says, in another reality known as San Francisco. Tom <laughs> <laughs> is getting whimsical with his uh, introductions, eh? That's it. And nice to see Cobra Commander going back into a, a portable mobile base because he's, he's in the back of a trailer again. Very nice. Like his that. legs have healed up nice and quick. Yes. <laughs> Maybe he's using some kind of robotic prosthetic. It struck me as odd, though, that he disables the camera 
after he gets out of the car. So, you know, he's in full (laughs) view in front of the camera and then he disables it. It's like, oh, jeez. Defeats the point. He's after time in there. Let's look at the scenes which were denoted on the cover. So this is Palpine in Jinx in Dublin. And they have uncovered another Revanche Robotics base. And this is where they are confronted by this giant... What what does she refer to herself as? Um, nine three one or something. Uh, nine two one. Nine but wait, no, she's like she's like biometrically enhanced or something. Doesn't she say? Yes, yeah, she's the most advanced human. Like I, I think she's banging oh, right, the drum yeah. about the fact that she's not fully blue ninjured. The ultimate modified human. Gotcha. Yeah, she is ginormous. Huh. So what is this genetic modification? Yeah, I don't know, but no idea why she's wearing this garb. No explanation as to why she's dressed as a samurai. Don't need it, do we? Well, I don't know. Yeah. La- nice, Larry was but... like, it worked for my run on Wolverine, so let's, let's bring <laughs> yeah. it back. He's back writing. I saw he. I saw him credited on a Wolverine book, actually, coming out this month. Cool. So, uh, I don't know if that's a one-shot or... I think he's been dying to do superheroes. I mean, so much of G.I. Joe tends towards the superhero, and it gets a big eye roll from me, but it's it's good stuff, and it really de- it deserves to be in a place where it's more fitting. So, yes. cool, let the man write Wolverine again, please. Yeah. And this 9 one thing, or modified human, quite easily takes out Palpine in Jinx, and she actually says, you'll both experience the great change men call death mm. okay philosophical and shit yeah not before our research and analysis teams deconstruct you you'll wish you had opted for the quicker end so they're going to be deconstructed <laughs> which we'll find out what that really means next issue maybe i don't know but then we cut back to the secret lower level of the pit which is where we find what was behind the door when we had that shock or faces of the joes at the end of issue 200 and on the second panel this is where the tease of the Transformers comes, I guess. Yeah, man. I'm looking at all those tops and I'm like, mm, can I identify any of the shapes? I mean, you kind of feel like it's the wing doors of the classic Autobot cars. And yes. there's like definitely a bumblebee yellow peeking out of the one and like a cliff jumper yeah. red. But uh, it's it's too generic to, to actually be identifiable. Clearly, they were yeah. very guarded about which way they played it. Because obviously, it wasn't clear... As to whether or not the Transformers were crossing over with G.I. Joe or not. So no. they had to play this ambiguity for as long as possible. Which really yeah. bogs down proceedings, doesn't it, Chief? Right. Yeah, well, unless unless Larry was just doing it as a super tease. <laughs> and he had no intention, or Hasbro had no intention of including the Transformers. And he's just like, I'll chuck this little little thing and get people talking. But I've got no intention. I don't know, of using man. It. It's never been Larry's style to play the long game. He likes the long recall. Like, he'll reach back yes. into the, the past stuff and bring out a nugget that was, uh, you know, sort of a, an open-ended ending. But yeah, yeah. I don't think it's his style to, 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 to keep something coming <laughs> over the yeah. course of, like, two years. Now, talk to me about this giant eye. Hmm. What do you want me to say? <laughs> Chief, you've read this run more times than I have. But as you keep saying... <laughs> <laughs> don't even remember what you did last week or half an hour ago. No, uh, this issue I've only read once okay. previously when it came out. So the original Marvel run I've probably read upwards of 10 times, probably more than that maybe. But once we hit the IDW stuff, I've only ever read it once as it came out in real time. So, you know, I, this was, how long ago was this? This September 2014. So mm-hmm. I haven't read this for six years and recall there being an eye but to 
in my head right now i can't i don't know how this storyline resolves so i don't know what this eye belongs to or where it's come from or what it does kaiju <laughs> right yeah well no i don't know look <laughs> chief uh, i mean what do you want me to do actually spoil it like no i don't it's no, I nice don't. to go Sorry. in uh, eyes wide shut because it you know it doesn't set you up for too much disappointment i guess <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I love Duke. Duke puts on the sort of boot covers and he's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not in word, but definitely in motion. He's not even got on the eye yet and he's <laughs> lost his balance just by putting these thin coverings over his shoes. But anyway, um, not, yeah, not much to say there really, you know, apart from the retina has been dilating and contracting. Mm. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Um, the issue closes out with a, a final epilogue on the Adele Burkhart story. Um, some of the Joes are at the um, the burial, and what is this? I, I'm unsure what this this medal is they're putting on her grave. So, around about this time, GI Joe had kind of added a new symbol to its sort of design pantheon. Instead of just the star and the the tricolor and the the GI Joe lettering, um, the movie era sort of post Rise of Cobra had that shield with the the eagle and the star right controversially now the hot topic is like is this an attempt to push gi joe away from being an american anti-terror task force and more into the realm of like a global response team because an eagle with a star it, it can be american it can also be just i don't know nato or something yeah. like it. But anyways, I suppose the symbol is is just a token, really, to symbolize that actually at the end of the day, Adele was a Joe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's how I read it. Do you notice that there's someone uh, conspicuously absent from this trio? Four Joes went on that mission. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> long range, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where's long range? Adele Burkhardt's daughter looks just like Adele Burkhardt. In fact, like, as she was dying... I mean, once again, bro, it's that Botox in action. Adele Burkhardt yeah. like, was looking fit for a 65-year-old. That's it. I was going to say um, RIP Adele until she is risen from the grave uh, <laughs> by some storyline or until her daughter takes up the mantle and becomes uh, another thorn in the sides of the Joe team. So Mary Lou let's Burkhardt. For, let's wait for either of those two things to materialise. But... Um, I don't think we're going to yo-jo this one uh, until we read the next couple of issues just to just to see how storylines pan out. But So let's keep that on the back burner for now, and then we'll see what happens. Chief, Chuckles can't be too good at his intelligence job if he had to Google Fair City to come up with Dublin's Fair City, where the girls yes. are so pretty. I mean, come yes. on. Is that not poor, common knowledge? Poor. Well, it's explaining it to the reader, I guess. But. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> There you yeah. go, there you go. Um, listen, good stuff. Um, it's uh, 2.07 and 2.08 next week, so I will read those. You will read those. Listeners, if you want to read those, uh, that's your choice. You know, free will and all that jazz. But right now, we need to talk about toys, and I need to guess some, so it's time for Toy Talk. Steve talks about toys, ho, ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Who's it gonna be, Chief? Who's it gonna be? <clears throat> so, let's recap who we've had in this one. Has there ever been a Sean 
Collins figure in this garb? We're going to say no. Not that I know, but I'm saying no. Uh, is there? Has there actually? I don't think it is. But has there ever been an Adele Burkhart figure? I don't think so. No. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Anyone wants to custom up one of them? Uh, please do it. Um, <laughs> While it's not the most exciting custom, I'm pretty sure someone has. <laughs> that issue uh, one it, team just isn't complete without the the target. No, no, mm. that's it. Um, no, not many vehicles in these issues. To note of, we've had the tomahawk before. Ah, oh. Alpine, of course. Alpine, of course. (laughs) Got there in the end. Mountain Trooper, codename Alpine, file name Pine, Albert M. (laughs) (laughs) No way. Alpine. Oh, dear. They say it's because Larry struggled to remember the characters' names. Okay. (laughs) So he had these kind of naming conventions to kind of keep track of things. Anyways, hilarious. But, yeah, we'll give that one a pass. Primary military specialty, mountain trooper. Secondary military specialty, finance clerk. So I guess that means he's a atomic weapon specialist or something. Yeah, uh, uh, FYI, I'm just having a watermelon toxic waste now. <sighs> All right. His place of birth, Minidoka, Idaho. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And his grade is E4. From the middle of the flat, dusty Snake River Plain, where Alpine was born, he could see the mountains on the horizon in almost every direction, like a physical barrier between him and the world he wanted. He took up mountain climbing during college and continued as a recreational climber during his brief tenure as an accountant for a large publishing firm. The G.I. Joe team gave Alpine the most hazardous of all conditions, with Cobra shooting at him. (laughs) Graduated Ranger School, Fort Benning, qualified expert M16, M14, M60, M1911A1. Every time Alpine scales a sheer cliff face, python by python, or piton by piton, piton by piton maybe, (laughs) overcoming granite and gravity with muscle and persistence, he is symbolically climbing out of the quagmire of his past. That's why we send him up first on vertical assaults. He doesn't take being knocked down too easily. Say what you will about the file cards, man, but this is poetry. Yeah, it's a great one. I, for some reason, as a kid, I always thought he was from France. I don't know what the Action Force file card... It's that I'm smelling shit kind of uh, expression he's got in his uh, picture, no? I don't know. I don't know if it was... I don't know if the Action Force... A file card had his birthplace being different, but um, you call this uh, escargot? This is shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's that face on yeah. the, on the card art. Yeah, man. oh, it's amazing. That card art is amazing. Um, had this guy. What a great figure. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So much going on here. So much going on. Look at all the kit he's got. Yep. Two anchors that you can uh, rope together with the included length of black rope, and it's a nice length. I mean, obviously, you know, that some concessions made. You can't just get, like, three meters of rope with your figure, but it's a decent yeah. enough length to have some fun with. He comes with a 9mm Beretta submachine gun, which is a very close-quarters weapon. Uh, perhaps it's a failing for a mountain trooper to not have something for longer ranges. That's probably why he's given a an M4 assault rifle in the comic book. He comes with a grapple launcher, which very tastefully doesn't launch anything. You know, we'd get that later in the 90s with spring-loaded weapons, which were sadly oversized to accommodate the spring and the firing mechanism. But this is a sculpted piece that 
uses most of the same sculpting as the G.I. Joe XMLR weapon that uh, Snowjob came with, but it just adds a very cool, like, grapple on the front and a strap that runs to a drum of sculpted cable. Yep. Very cool. Sculpted rope across the chest, really, really detailed, nice piece. Uh, snap links on his thigh. The backpack has a, a little clip which can hold his included uh, climbing axe, which is quite a big piece. I mean, it's it's certainly yeah, it's bigger beefy. than it needed to be. Uh, so it, it kind of crosses over from climbing implement into, like, handheld weapon. <laughs> I'm sure it was used as such in many a kid's playtime. I never had this as a kid, but uh, I'm sure if I had had him, he would have seen a lot of action, man. He's got character, he's got great sculpts and great colors. The uniform, it has been said by a number of commentators, in spite of the very military-looking colors, it's very civilian kind of gear. It's like a yep. cool, trendy 80s padded jacket. Uh, the trousers don't really have anything particularly military on them, like a sculpted holster. But the colors are on point. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. You had this guy? Uh, only as an adult, yeah, yeah. The first time I collaborated with uh, Hooded Cobra Commander, we had a cool little debate about which mountain trooper was superior, Alpine or Hit and Run. I actually repped Hit and Run, but uh, I can say now that th- that debate is like four years uh, into the past, that indeed Alpine is the consummate uh, G.I. Joe mountain trooper. It's It's yeah, kind of yeah. his thing, so we'll let him have it. In the cartoons, he had a great running um, friendship with Bazooka. We might get onto that a little bit later. Alpine was always kind of a little bit more um, philosophical, uh, kind of a a thinking cat. And Bazooka was his very lunkhead, kind of slow-witted friend. (laughs) But they made quite the pair in the the tune. Comic book appearances, quite few and far between, actually. Yeah, I don't seem to recall him popping up that much. He was in Action Force... You know, more than he was in G.I. Joe. So, yeah, yeah. Nice to see him in this recent run we've just had. So, you know, good stuff. Even though he wasn't necessarily climbing mountains. Hey, look, he got that emotional moment with Adele. Maybe it was stolen from Stalker, but at the end of the day, it showed a lot of heart. I'm glad he got some time to shine. Of course, his most shining moment in my eyes will forever be the intro to G.I. Joe the movie, where... What a stud. He, I think he's at the base of the Statue of Liberty, and there is a fire bat screaming overhead. He fires a grapple launcher onto its wing and gets towed through the air, Spider-Man style, while this grapple launcher is kind of reeling him in. He then climbs on top of the fire bat canopy and punches it. <laughs> he punches right through it. What a guy. What a guy. Yeah, that's quality. Big time. And then I think he bails. He jumps off it and like... Um, repels or, or grapples onto something else like maybe it was a trouble bubble flown by snake eyes something like that chief it's coming brother we got to get our teeth into that movie <laughs> yes. and we, we got to yeah. get we got to get an old friend to uh rewatch it with us yeah all right yeah let's do that let's talking do that. joe good. special edition coming right. soon uh, so two two special editions coming soon uh, there's a rewatch of that and also after we finish recording we put it in the can uh, i'm gonna have an offline chat to you about when we can do chief's treasure chest oh yeah yeah good times good times um, Jeez, and cobra um, convergence chief oh man we are if you like talking joe and why wouldn't you you know you are going to be spoiled in the next month or so mm-hmm. 
But that was Alpine version one, 1985. Not really going to get Love into it. the later Love versions because they suck. <laughs> I just had a quick flick through versions two through seven, and you are indeed correct. They do suck. In <sighs> one of them, it even looks Caucasian. So let's not even go there. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, let's move on because now it's time to confuse some people with some Commonwealth colloquialisms, aka Oveg in the Pudding. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're gonna over egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms. We got some Commonwealth colloquialisms. Right, start us off. What you got? What's a doona? Doona. He's going Australian. And how are you spelling doona? Jeez, that's a good question. I think a D-U-N-A. <laughs> okay, doona. Let me write it down, see what it looks like on a pad. Doona. I'm going to say, it's, could it be related to Dunny? Oh, which we cor- said. correction. Sorry, it's D-O-O-N-A. Hmm. Doona. Are you putting out a doona on the barbie? No, 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 no. Uh, all right, you had to go there, route then. one. Oh, chief, it took you a while to use the cliche. <laughs> Have I not said that one yet? No. Okay. Uh, I'm just going out for a drive in the Duna. Oh, could it be a vehicle of some kind? Um, mm. Hey, when you're down the shops, buy us a four pack of Dunas. No. Gonna uh, take the quad bike up the Duna. <laughs> That'd be too obvious, wouldn't it? Duna. I'm gonna say swimming pool. Ah. Well, it, it kind of is uh, the opposite of that, because whereas right. a swimming pool, you, it. you jump into to, to cool off, a dune is something that you would use to, to keep cozy and warm, because it is indeed a comforter, or a quilt, or a blanket, or a duvet. It's uh, a oh. thing, a thing that you would wrap Duna. yourself in. Nice. Duna. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chief's one here. This is, I believe, English and Australian in origin. Ooh, you sunk already. And if I said... I speak both those languages. <laughs> If I said I was under the pump, what what would what what's what's happening? under pressure pushing down on me pushing there you down go. on you? He's right. He's right. Under the pump means under pressure or nice. up against it. Yes. Alright. Yes. Okay. What you got for me, South African? All right, man. Well, this is a two for one, brew. Oh yeah. Yeah, brew. I could really do with a Betty and a Bevy. A Betty and a Bevy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so bevy uh, is a drink. Very good. Uh, because that's also what, uh, as in short for beverage, which is, you know, used over here. But a betty, if you're ha- sorry, so you're having a drink, a betty and a bevy. So a betty would be some kind of snack or burger or a uh, hot dog or something like that. Uh, do you want me to narrow down my choice? <laughs> snack indeed, fur burger. Uh, no, <laughs> a betty is a chick. A girl. A chick, okay. Yeah, right, yeah. okay. I'm at a braai and I could really do a betty and a bevy. Yeah. And maybe a nice. chop and a dop. But that's that's <laughs> that's, bri- that's bridging the gap into Afrikaans. And I have sworn to you offline that yes. I will do my best to not also become multilingual. So any, any colloquialism <laughs> that I pull from South Africa has to indeed be understood by all South Africans that speak English. But then again, okay. uh, we're all kind of multilingual anyway, so... I don't know. I'm gonna str- I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try not to cheat for okay. as long as possible, right. Chief. And then when you want to pull them out, you know, you pull them out. You're a brew. Hey. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no idea. Um, listen. <laughs> there'll be more colloquialisms next week. 
Uh, but right now, I think it's time for this. We asked you a question, you being the listeners, and you responded well, as you always do, and here are your answers to the question that we posed on the social media places. You're just trolling us with that one, Chief. It's like, it's going to resolve. It's going to resolve cleanly, and then... And then you just keep going. <laughs> this is tumble. But it's great. Um, it's gold. All gold. So, listen, we asked you guys out there to tell us, give us a tandem of Joe Cobra characters that would be good in a, either a buddy cop movie or a road trip movie or, you know, of that ilk. And uh, as always, you responded uh, in droves. So thanks to everyone who, who gave us choices and options here. It was, you know... Really nice to hear hear all of these, read some of them. Some were kind of straight down the line. Uh, some were a bit offbeat and a bit funny. Um, but yeah, a really good mixture, I thought. Mm-hmm. Which one should we start with? Twitter, Insta, Facebook? We should probably end with Twitter. Yes, mm. yes. Uh, oh, yes, there's a reason for that. But um, I'm on the Instagram at the moment. So ah, someone here said, yes, Alpine and Bazooka for sure. So <laughs> that obviously, like you said, references the cartoon, which unfamiliar to me, but as you mentioned, is a is a is a budding kind of friendship in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Frozen fudgies, baby. Right. <laughs> Once again, okay. sails plainly yeah, over the chief's head. Means nothing to me, unfortunately. Cobra Commander and Serpentor will be trying to kill each other at every opportunity. That would be quite fun, actually, I think. Yes, very cool. Yeah, japes and scrapes, man. Like, of course, they've got to be <laughs> civil, but behind each other's back, they are definitely trying to underhand little hijinks. Yeah. Uh, Duke and Falcon... Or Outback and Recondo. Yeah. Who's the kind of the comic relief between Outback and Recondo? They seem pretty straight laced, both of them. Yeah. I guess that's more of a that's that's a straight down the line kind of uh serious two guys, you know, out in the wilderness kind of adventure thing. But I'm trying to think of like two like survivalists. Is it like Bear Grylls and uh, Right, yeah. I don't know, someone, someone like Bear Grylls, so like Steve Irwin, the late great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that could work. Uh, rock and roll and chuckles, leather neck and wetsuit for some aqua based action. Once again, Chief, I think it's a cartoon thing. There was the Navy slash Marines rivalry that was played up between wetsuits and leather neck. Clutch and breaker, chuckles and Zartan. But instead of a buddy cop road trip vehicle, they host a podcast where they discuss the ever evolving, always entertaining world of G.I. Joe comics. Oh, wait a minute. Hmm. So who? Oh, yeah, I'm Chuckles, you're Zartan, of course. Yes, I think I've established that over the course of a few podcasts. Reverb added for effect, of course. Chief, you probably don't get that either, but Zartan, for some reason, always spoke with reverb. It's like just part of his, his vocal style. And it, right. like, it's a dead ringer. Like now, if Zartan is voiced in any pop culture without the reverb, it just doesn't seem right. Okay. Yeah. It's like even his speaking voice is kind of disguised is kind of masked as yeah, a master yeah. of disguise should be but anyways that's me good yes, stuff there. thank you <laughs> I'm, I'm moving over to the facebook uh, shipwreck and polly uh could be a nice little tandem now i'll tell you what i want to see i want to see the all the animals from tom Shirley's transformers gi joe uh in some kind of animal based animated uh movie but anyway. <laughs> yes please Chuckles and Big Boa, yes. they had obviously, you know, a scene together in the IDW Cobra series, uh, which we'll actually, we'll, oh no, we don't, we don't. I was going to say we cover that in our Cobra Convergence, but is Big Boa in that miniseries or not? Not yet. 
Oh shit! Another spoiler! Another spoiler for S Jobs. Cut! 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I keep forgetting you've only read the first four issues. Anyway, um, take that from your mind. Uh, Chuckles and Snake Eyes, because Chuckles can do enough talking for both of them. Nice. Uh, that's probably fair. <laughs> that was said about uh, Deadpool and Snake Eyes teaming up. Like we all expected that from Liefeld. It's like Deadpool yes. will do all the talking, and he's yes. quite all right with that. Yeah, uh, Clutch and Rock and Roll is the classic team. So yeah, we we've seen that a couple of times actually in the comic, haven't we? Where they've done the surfing road trips and they've japes and scrapes with the dreadnoughts. Yeah, Chief, it occurred to me like you know you, you were kind of down on Rock and Roll being a bit simplistic in the last issue uh, yes. with the with the dialogue between him and and Lifeline in the back of the tomahawk. Well, what do you expect from a man who's been brainwashed by Cobra twice? The man is a <laughs> yeah, zombie, right. okay? He doesn't have enough of his own brain cells to rub together. Poor yeah, guy. Yeah. Law and Order with Shockwave. Okay. Law because I think he would be the funny guy, Shockwave would be the straight guy. What else? Cobra Road Trip movies, Zorana and Road Pig. Slash and grab dark drama. Big time. Sounds a bit like Natural Born Killers. I was about to say, and I think over on the uh, Twitter, it was said as well. Very NBC. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Haven't seen that. I've only ever seen that once. And I don't think I was a particular fan of it, but maybe I need to go back and rewatch it. You know who know. wasn't a fan of it as well? No. The writer. Oh, really? Yeah, Quentin hated what Oliver Stone did. Really? Script. Yeah, big time. Okay. Oh, yeah. so it diverged quite a lot from what was intended then. Well, you got a rock star director and a rock star writer They're pulling in yeah. two different directions to make sure that their stamp is uh, what survives. So when was that? Was that was that mid nineties? How how deep was Tarantino into his directing career? Uh, I think he'd done Pulp Fiction. All oh, right. Okay. Which was ninety four, I think. Yeah. Okay. All right. But maybe my timeline's out. Shit. Chief, I know G.I. Joe's. Please do not hold me out on my movie knowledge. <laughs> okay. okay. I mean, you're going to um, you're going to get me rating things like passengers with four and a half stars. We're in trouble, pal. <laughs> we are in trouble. T-rubble. Two stars for lethal weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh yeah, shipwreck and snake eyes, clutch and cover girl. Yeah, I'm definitely going to shout out Rachel and Carlos Salinas. Anyone who's not on Facebook is going to miss out on the most incredible little dire <laughs> story he shot with uh, yeah. Big Boa and Kangle. And yes. they are just badasses right the way through. I'm not going to spoil any of it, but it, it is hilarious. And yeah. they're like yeah. <laughs> posing with each other and <laughs> berating Cobra troopers for their puny, weak little arms. I mean, you've got to, you've got to read it in like an Arnie yeah. voice. Yeah, that was good. I, miss, I don't know why I bypassed that one, but there, that, was quality. that was quality. Well, because it's a visual thing and it would not make for good radio. But thank you for gifting us with that, Rachel. Yeah, yeah. Footloose and Dusty. Uh, Mark said, watch the Sumbo episode Hearts and Cannons and you'll know what I mean. I've been meaning to. It's a great episode because okay. it really features one of my favourite vehicles, the Mauler. And has some great right. like interior shots of the Mauler. I love me some interior shots of yeah. places yeah. where our actual eyes can't go. <laughs> so, yeah, man, I, I will definitely rewatch that. Thank you for the shout, Mark. Yeah, I might give that a shout as well. Um, Blind Roadblock and Snake Cobra Commander, which we mentioned earlier in the episode about piggybacking. And, uh, you know, could that be a fun kind of road trippy kind of thing? Maybe. Um, Once Darren? a man. I don't know, man. He seems a, a bit serious for my, for my yeah. liking. Um, Darren went down the rabbit hole. Um, and he's got a Destro and Cobra Commander, Chuckles and Duke. Darren, I challenge you, sir. To shoot this for us. Oh, yes. 
I know you're down with DMing. I know you're into the role playing. Well, it's time to role play for an audience. Yeah, this is really good. This is really cool. He wrote a script. <laughs> yeah, if you're not on the Facebook, get onto the Facebook page, ask to join. We'll just admit you in and uh, read what Darren's written there. It's really cool. Really cool. Or just watch his uh, his presentation, his video presentation of it. Yeah. Forthcoming, yeah. which will be sure to, yeah. to, no to share on all the socials. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, no pressure, Darren. Joe version of Paw Patrol, uh, Mutton Junkyard, Law and Order, Wide Scope and Lamont, Dusty and Sandstorm. Um, and then Snake Eyes and Timber. Uh, Shipwreck and Beachhead. Interesting. Yeah, I suppose. The, the straight man and the comic relief. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm moving over to the Twitter. I wonder between the two of them who has the worst BO. <laughs> the sailor or the guy who never takes off his ski mask. Yeah, right. Uh, probably a tie there, I'd imagine. Uh, Law and Order, Mutton Junkyard, except the dogs can talk. <laughs> That'd be quite cool, actually. What have they been smoking there, man? <laughs> that was a uh, diagnostic, yeah. Brilliant. Um, Scrap Iron and Captain Gridiron, with the running joke that everyone gets their names mixed up. And ironically, they're both working undercover at the same dry cleaners, pressing and ironing clothes. <laughs> and they have some run-ins with Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bazooka and Alpine again. Uh, Wild Bill and Wild Weasel in Fly to the Angels. Bit of mm. aerial action. Uh, rock and Roll and Clutch. Alpine and Bazooka again. Duke and Shipwreck. Interesting. Yeah. Apparently he drops the mic after that, so yeah. that must yeah. be a really good one. <laughs> uh, Stalker and Snake Eyes or Metalhead and Scrap Iron call the two snakes the Boom Boom Brothers right uh, Roadblock and Chuckles Destro and Zartan another Zorana and Road Pig Leatherneck and Wetsuit Planes, Trains Automobiles and Joes fantastic responses there we appreciate all the feedback as always another question coming uh, normally comes out on a Sunday so it gives us a few days to get responses in before we record on a Tuesday. So look out for the next listener question. You know, if you want to get involved and hit us up, you can do it on all the social media places. That's Talking underscore Joe on Twitter. Instagram is Talking Joe Comics. And Gmail, that's Talking Joe Comics at gmail.com. Or on the Facebook group, come and join that. It's Talking Joe, a G.I. Joe podcast. Uh, where can the fine people find your stuff? Well, Talking Joe is uh, where I abide as well as the chief, but here's something interesting coming down the track. A Talking Joe exclusive will be going out on the 10th of August as part of Cobra Convergence 5, but this particular exclusive has video content, whoa, Ooh, whoa. and since Talking Joe has yet to uh, start its own YouTube channel, it will be playing over on the G.I. Joburg channel and the Hooded Cobra Commander 788 channel. So if you are not subscribers or fans of those channels, uh, best check up on them on the 10th of August. You do not want to miss out on this special Talking Joe presentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It was, uh, we had fun recording it. S-Jub's going to work some magic on the visuals, like he says. And yeah, ch I mean, check out all the Cobra Convergence stuff, to be honest. It's um, Cobra content every day through the month of August so fantastic creators lined up for the whole month yeah. so you know listen to everything if you can watch everything consume it all it's a good chance for people who are interested in the more general G.I. Joe chats and content creators to maybe find new things to listen to or watch or follow uh, it's just a great sharing of everyone's kind of followers yeah, yeah great great uh, you can find the chief over on Chiefy Two Shoes that's chief within a Y number two shoes over on Instagram and Twitter, I'm posting daily art pics of commissions and sketches I've got over the years. I think I'm up to uh, day 76 of posting those 
so still going strong any kind of gi joe related ones i'll also put on to the facebook group just in case you're not on twitter or instagram so you'll still be able to get that posted up a nice dreadnoughts one from rod wiggum and peter seddon a friend of the show also posted it his, his one great stuff by rod there but yeah that's about it so um with all that said and done uh oh wait a minute wait a minute what's what? this we got some incoming we got something incoming huh oh chief i think you missed something mate Oh, yeah, we did. We did. Uh, we've got this extra response here for a tandem from the listener question, and uh, it's Poetry in Motion. It's a Route 66 road trip for Roadblock and Major Blood. I really like the idea of that. What? Who said that? Yorktown Joe. It's <laughs> incredible. Oh, man. I'm feeling inspired. Who do you want to play, Chief? Oh, in the movie. Uh, I'll be Roadblock. Oh, well, then I guess that makes me Major Blood. <laughs> We've got a story to tell you about a pair of badass hombres that set out to wage lyrical warfare across the globe. The Block and the Blood. This is their story. I'm big, I'm bad, I'm hitting Marvin Elf. Qualified French hot cuisine chef. Busting out tunes in the local church choir. Now check out my homie, he's such a live wire. Blood by name and blood by nature. Sebastian to my friends, but you can call me Major. My mind is tactical, a shiny steel trap. So don't get in my way or give me none of your crap. A gourmet chef with no taste for cobra. I'm stomping them snakes till I make my quota. Busting out of cuffs, flipping over vamps. Much love to my family, my granny and my gramps. I gave a kid a gun to shoot his dad in the face. Breaking international laws all over the place. I wear an eye patch purely for style, and my poetic poems are sure to beguile. They'll fight for freedom wherever there is trouble. You'll find block and blood will be there on the double. They never give up. They are always there, fighting for freedom over land and air. Block and blood, we be road tripping. When hunger hits, fried eggs we be flipping. When you're feeling low and woozy, make sure you slap a fresh clip in your roozy. If you piss us off, you better vamoose. Or I'll bust a cap in your ass with my ma deuce. Block and blood, yo. And we out. Do I get to say it now? Damn fool, we out of here. Cobra retreat!